This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast. I'm Dan Staten. This is your blue collar, do-it-yourself, self-guided, public land, elk hunting learning curve resource, where we leverage hunting to create more personal development. Our goal is to educate and encourage our listeners to become the best possible version of themselves through hard work, delayed gratification, and being accountable to themselves. Welcome to the Oak Shade Podcast, guys. I'm Dan, the fitness man. Appreciate you coming on and listening. We are bringing on two badass CrossFit, elk killing, power couple, this is Lucas and Alicia Zimlicka. Lucas keeps to himself, and I had to bribe to get him on here. And in fact, he does have an Instagram account, and I think he finally posted his first post. I said, dude, I can't follow you until you actually make a real post. And he did. He's killed a lot of elk. He's one of the best hunters I've ever met. And so it's nice to hear this couple on here. They're really cool, and it's a fun podcast. Uh, what we got going on this week is it's almost August. You need to get your hustle on. You need to get 21 days to elk shape. If you haven't already, shed those unwanted pounds. And as always, check out the elk shape camp online version. 99 bucks, year access, unlimited video vault, exclusive for that subscription only. I'm putting my heart and soul into that. And I think that's going to be a great year round resource to basically shorten your learning curve and increase your personal development. So onto our business, we need to get going on a couple of discount codes. Let's cover those because they matter. And a lot of us hunters are dropping loot right now because we're trying to last minute get everything dialed. So let's start with the most applicable, which is off grid food code. That's the kind of food I would like to see in your backpacking trip. So if you use discount code ELKSHAPE2019, Spencer will hook you up from off-grid. Definitely recommend the buffalo chili, anything with quail. Uh, the, the trail mix is pretty bomb and the jerky's unreal, but go ahead and get loaded up there. Uh, probably the best ingredients I've seen on any of those 
basically freeze-dried type meals. And then um, if you're going to kill an elk, please put it in a Siberian cooler. It's cheaper than the Y brand, and it's going to last longer as far as ice. I'm rocking the Alpha Series. It's an 85 quart. I carry two, and I think that that would work real well. You can um, basically do what I do. And every gallon of milk that my family goes through, I fill up with water, and I put it in the freezer, and I start stockpiling those for my elk hunts. And uh, when I go down to Wyoming, I'm going to definitely have two coolers filled to the brim with those just to keep all my stuff cold and then I can actually use it for drinking water as it melts. It works super well. Just keep your cooler in the shade and then hopefully you can fill it up with elk meat. Uh, use discount code ELKSHAPE2019. Save yourself 10%. Caribou game bags. You're going to need to put that meat in game bags and I don't want you to use anything other than synthetic. Try the Wapiti pack from Caribou game bags. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE15% off. And now while you're navigating the elk trails and adding waypoints and doing your online scouting and downloading ahead of time your off-grid maps, use Onyx Hunt, discount code ELKSHAPE, get you 20% off. The last one is for those that are pretty hardcore and want to use the e-bike. I recommend the backcountry e-bikes, and I wasn't an e-bike guy until I tried one, and now I'm converted. I do have a four-wheeler dirt bike, but the e-bike is going to come in handy in a lot of places, especially when I'm elk hunting. So use the discount code ELKSHAPE300, save yourself 300 bucks. I'm rocking the mule. I have the highest watt one, and go check them out. They're pretty hip. So what we got going on this week is uh, we're bringing on the, the Zemlekas. It's going to be a very good podcast. Uh, we do have registration open early bird for the first of six elk shape camps. The first one's going to be in Spokane, so if you just want to go ahead and come to one in Spokane, I'd recommend that. Save 100 bucks. Uh, we have links in the show if you want to get registered for that. We're going to limit it to 20 people. And it's going to be awesome. And we'll bring on a lot of the same people for subject matter experts. And you will walk out of there with a lot of information, a lot of knowledge, and a lot of motivation to crush the rest of the year. So let's get into this podcast. You have a lot of choices when you listen to podcasts. I always just want to tell you how much I appreciate you listening to this one. Hope you're training hard. I hope your preparation, I hope your confidence is going higher and higher each day. I hope you're doing the hard thing in the name of better elk hunting. Appreciate you all and enjoy. Today we're talking to a power couple, the Zemlicka. Is that how you say it? It's Zemlicka. God, I always I said it right, but I always feel weird saying it. When do you get used yeah. to saying that last name Zemlicka? Well, I've been married for two years and I'm still not used to it. So, you know, we got your husband on here today. He is. I don't know anything about him other than just he's a dude who's really fit and gets it done every year. And I think. There's a good reason. So, Lucas, how are you? I'm pretty good, Dan. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. I had to beg and <laughs> beg for you to come on. I know you're not super stoked about this, but thank you for coming on today. <laughs> uh, you bet. No problem. No problem. Glad to be here. <clears throat> well, let's get to know you, man. Like, Give us a little bit of background on yourself, like what you do for work. What's a typical day for you this time of year? Sure. So uh, I work, uh, man, I, uh, I've been in the laser industry for 15 plus years. Um, it's what I went to college for um, back in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. <clears throat> Graduated from college there and I knew I wanted to move out west somewhere, you know, where there's mule deer, whitetail, antelope, elk, moose, sheep, goat. Little did I know, I'm 17 years into it, still haven't drawn a moose, sheep, or goat tag, but... <laughs> Didn't know that back then, but uh, yeah, I moved out here for the job uh, to Bozeman, Montana, 
um, um, just because I wanted to be out this way and uh, got a job uh, um, for a laser manufacturing uh, company here in town. Worked there for five years and uh, moved across town to uh, a different company called FLIR Systems. Uh, we design and manufacture uh, lasers, target designators, range finders, um, pointers, spot trackers, that sort of thing for pretty much all military applications. And I'm still currently doing it. Um, I think I've been here 11, 12 years now with FLIR Systems. So providing me an opportunity, I guess, to do what I love to do, and that's that's kind of hunt hunt out west. So you so. moved over here for the hunting. You were a single guy for a long time, getting after it, and then you met Alicia. We're going to get into that story for your angle, because I've already heard Alicia's. I'm dying to hear your side. But um, <laughs> yeah, drawing a tag in Montana for any of those special species, there's guys like you who... 17 years, guys like me, I think I've put in for Montana for over a decade, nothing. And it's getting more expensive, by the way, to put in for Montana for a non-res. It's like, I might actually bail on the program. But then you got guys like Jason Matzinger who's drawn the sheep tag twice. Can you explain that? I was just going to say that. Look <laughs> at the draw and, you know, which units you apply for too. You know, he's drawn a couple good units, but some of the some of them, you know, are obviously much easier to draw. Um, and I, I apply for a, a couple of those units, but for the most part, I kind of stick to some of the higher end units, <laughs> draw two or three of them. I have a friend that's drawn a couple of them and we apply for all the same units. And there's a seven year wait here once you draw a tag and, uh, <clears throat> he's drawn, geez, a, a moose and a goat. Um, and I'm still stuck at zero, <laughs> but that's luck of the draw. Which one, I mean, I would assume sheep, but maybe not. Which one are you, like, wanting to draw the most? Sheep and sheep and moose are probably both a tie for me. I would love a moose. I went to Alaska a couple times now. Um, still haven't got a moose. I would I would love to get a moose tag. But, of course, the sheep is kind of the big coveted one. Um, but I, I would have to probably put moose at the top of my list just because it's been a childhood dream of mine to shoot a big moose someday and I've been on a few hunts where we've shot them um, I just haven't been the shooter and it's equally as fun honestly but uh, I, w I would love to put my own tag on one someday well you have a pretty good resume when it comes to hunting if not one of the best you won't say it I will and so <laughs> I'm gonna pick your brain on how to get on your level so when it comes to Choosing the species out west, like, where do you feel like you excel the best at, or at least you enjoy yourself the most when hunting? What animal is that? Ah, uh, without a doubt, that'd have to be be elk. I don't know. That's that's just kind of got in my my blood at an early age. I, I killed an elk my f first year out here. Actually, I killed a couple elk when I lived in South Dakota. Uh, it's a resident only tag there, but I drew a f three of them when I lived there. Okay. Um, and I, man, I got my first one at a young age. I was probably 16 or something like that all by myself. Um, and it, it, it really got in my blood at that point. And ever since then, it's something that, man, you just look forward to year round. And, and the reasons you do it have kind of changed over the years, but I still cannot wait to get out in the elk woods every year. 
Um, and the way you go about it kind of changes. You, at first, <laughs> it seemed like I just hunted harder, put in more time, work harder. And over the years, I've kind of learned, you know, hunt smarter, not harder. And uh, I think it's probably where some of the success has come from, from kind of changing that mindset a little bit. That's interesting. Um, I, I feel like that we got to go dive into that a little bit. So tell us some of the stuff you were doing that was work harder, not smarter. Tell us some of the stuff you're doing now that is smarter and not harder. <laughs> oh, man, early on, you know, I I was just, one, driving all over, you know, hunting a new area, having no luck, moving, going to another new area, moving, going to another new area, just putting on all these miles, you know, driving, and, and, of course, hiking in all these areas, but not really learning them, you know. Come to find out, you know, now, a lot of those areas I was in, there was elk there. I just didn't give it a chance to, you know, learn it and find out where they're at, find out their habits, find out what they're doing. Um, my my motto now is much more of kind of pick an area, no matter where it is. Give it a few years, you know, get out there a bunch, check it out and understand it and maybe it is no good and maybe you do need to leave and, and try somewhere else but and the other thing too is I used to think just hike more go further go farther go faster the more miles I put on the boots the more success I'm going to have and to a point that's true but there becomes a point of no return where you just burn yourself out and you get tired you make foolish mistakes and of course it's, it's not as enjoyable when you're just you know dog tired every day so i think a lot of that is the the you know just hunt smarter not harder you know slow down a little bit um learn learn areas things like that okay so man when i'm in bozeman it's really intimidating because i i do want to hunt elk i usually don't hunt montana it's been a while it's probably been five six years since i've been over there and I think I'm batting a thousand in in Montana. It's always been really good experiences, but I was just there last week, and so it's fresh in my mind. And I'm like, I'm looking around 360, and I'm just like, nope, I haven't I haven't hunted elk in the Gallatins, uh, haven't hunted them in the Bridgers, uh, haven't been in the Lee Calf Wilderness. Um, you know what I mean? I'm just looking around and like the gravelies, and like there's all these drainages and mountains that just I would love to spend a full month in and get to know. But the bottom line is, is Who's got the time to really do that? And so focusing on one specific area and then really getting to know it intimately, that is that is hard because there's wanderlust. We talk about that on here. But there's also just you know being patient and really learning to develop a good tactic and, and finding where, the, where are the elk vulnerable in this specific area. And specifically herd bulls, which you've killed a lot. So... I wanted to know maybe some of the clues that your success has left you behind. Like, well, this is how I generally kill herd bulls. Like, what's your main tactics for that? So it, it depends on a little bit where I'm hunting. You know, my tactics change depending on where I'm at. Myself, I really like to, you know, kind of focus on those herd bulls, those bigger bulls. So I like to go to areas where I can kind of, I can do some glassing. I love to get high with a spotting scope you know, look over country, class them, and, and find one I want. So that's kind of the, the areas that I, you know, look for. Um, the tactics, you know, I don't call. I rarely, rarely do I call. 
I think I've shot maybe two elk that I've called in. I just haven't had much luck with it on those big bulls. Oftentimes they just gather up their cows, leave, or just don't come in, period. And and that probably varies depending on where you're at. But where I'm at, um, I don't have much luck calling. So it's all spot and stock, um, 99% of it. The occasional water hole somewhere during the middle of the day when it's hot and dry. Um, I'll sit on a water hole, but pretty much all spot and stock tactics. Um, I like kind of early season before those bulls get in those big groups of cows, their harems. Uh, a lot of times, you know, the first week or two of season, they're by themselves, um, which is perfect for doing some spotting and stocking. Um, and then, you know, real late in the season here, like, you know, middle of October, first part of October, a lot of those bulls are starting to, they're, I don't know if they're coming back into rut or what's going on, but they're really rutting hard then. And that's a good time because they're just on the move, it seems like, looking for cows. Yeah, that's how uh, Alicia killed hers last year. You know, he was just moving, looking for cows, and she got in the right place, you know. And I've, I've killed a lot that the same strategy. But uh, it's all spot and stock for the most part. I just haven't had much luck calling, decoying, any of that stuff. I just, I try to not let them know I'm anywhere in the area. I'm probably a little more aggressive than most uh, because I'm hunting 99% public land. And a lot of times these bulls, you see them one day, they're gone the next. Um, yes, yes. I, I, try, I try to make it happen when I see them. <clears throat> You know, when I find the one I want, you can't just be, you know, running in there when the wind's wrong, wind's swirling, or, you know, he's got 20, 30 cows all around him. So there is, you know, some guidelines there, but they're very nomadic. Getting, You know, there's other hunters around. They get spooked. So uh, I'm pretty aggressive. You know, when I find the one I want, you know, I try to figure out a way to get in there and get close and get it done in the first, you know, one or two tries. So are you dogging? Are you dogging this herd? And what is? And if you are, what what's a good fringe to stay at? How do you not get busted by cows? Obviously, keeping the wind in your face. And you say spot and stock, but do you mean more like spot and ambush, spot and intercept, or do you like literally put them to bed and sneak in, or all the above? All the above. You know, I I prefer the the uh, you know when they're moving, getting in front of them you know, and letting them come to me. Um, that's just much easier than, you know, you moving in on them, you know, but if you can get a bedded one, that's pretty good too. You know, if you can, a lot of times it's thick enough, at least where I go, I can't see the whole herd sometimes. You don't know where all the cows are at and you can maybe, you maybe know where the bull's at, but sneaking in on them without getting, you know, busted by a cow can be, you know, tough. So I, ideally what i would do you know i get high find you know and, and glass down find find an elk i want try to get in front of them if they're moving you know and and try to cut them off and let them come to me um but i've killed a lot of them where you know you just watch them until they bed down and uh you know sneak in there and a lot of times you can't get close enough because there's cows in between or whatever as long as the wind's right I just kind of hang out and hopefully at some point he'll get up, come around, check out his cows and come into bull range. Yeah, that makes sense. Every scenario is a little different, but for the most part, yeah, I I kind of dog them, you know, until 
they either bed down or I feel like I can get in front of them somewhere. That's definitely yeah. interesting to hear that you don't do much calling. I am, I can tell you there's a formula. So if you were to go into my elk room and see all the bulls I've killed, you'd be like, you could almost do like an inverse relationship with the bigger the bull, the less I called, the smaller the bull, the more I called. So my formula <laughs> is like if I want to kill a satellite bull and I need to just get one killed for meat, bust out the bugle tube. And that's not for everybody, but I'm just saying in my experience, the more I call, the more I end up having interactions with satellite bulls. And uh, rarely have I ever gotten a herd bull to just, you know, get an, so frustrated and in a position where he wants to defend his harem that he leads his cows to come mess me up. It's just, it's such a unique and I put you, I always call the elk where I hunt just, they're greedy lovers. They're just pure greed. They do not want to give up what, what is theirs, and they will run and push their cows away. They will avoid conflict. They're lovers, not fighters, in the most, in the most part. Now, there's always the exception, but I'm with you. Um, I'm going to Wyoming, and I am going to probably not call much at all. It will be mainly optics and sneaking in and trying to you know, maneuver. And the, the groups down there are pretty big. So it's just going to be a matter of me avoiding detection from other satellite bulls and, and all the yeah. cow, and all the cows and stuff. But I do know that I rely heavily, heavily on my fitness as one of like, I think that's like what I, it's one of the few things I got going for myself as an elk hunter is my fitness. Uh, and I know that you are a Super fit guy. So please tell me about your fitness journey and how it's evolved. I'm pretty sure you're training for hunting year round. What does that look like? How has that evolved? Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've always kind of been into fitness to some extent, but, uh, the last, oh, you know, seven, eight years, I think I've really kind of amped it up a bit. Um, and, and a lot of that is just due to, I, I probably, enjoy the fitness thing and I've understand the benefits of it, health benefits and all that. That's part of it. And also from a hunting aspect, you know, it is sure nice to be in, in great shape going into hunting season. It lifts some weights, maybe around treadmill, things like that. Really no programming, really no focus on anything. I did that for years and uh then I was introduced to CrossFit and that was a game changer for me. Boy, it pushes me hard. My fitness level has, you know, gone up dramatically, you know, and, and helped in the field hunting dramatically too. You know, I used to take two weeks off work, you know, and go out for 14, 15 day elk hunts, you know, and it was just draining me. And that's another thing I learned too. <laughs> Smaller hunts, you know, shorter amounts of time, hunt harder during those times. You know, four, five, six days is way better than trying to do 12, 15 day hunt at a time. But yeah, I started CrossFit, I think, six years ago or so now. And uh, I love it. Um, it's it's made me so much stronger and much more motivation to get, you know, to the gym and do what I need to do. Um, and not only that is, you know, I'm 39 years old now and the, the mobility and flexibility that I've gotten through CrossFit that I wouldn't do uh, on my own. It's huge, and, and that's a big part of it for me. But uh, as far as you know, you know, translating that fitness into the field, it's just made my hunting so much more enjoyable because I can get up in the morning, I feel good, I'm not exhausted, my, you know, I'm not stiff and sore. 
it just makes the whole aspect much more enjoyable for me. So it was uh, the journey was I didn't try a lot of different things. I just basically kind of went to the gym and then I started doing CrossFit. And that's kind of where I've stayed for the last, you know, six, seven years or something. So how did you get introduced to CrossFit? Because it's expensive and it sometimes has a good reputation. Sometimes it has a poor reputation. I mean, how did you get hooked? Sure. So I was just kind of getting burnt out at the, at the regular gym, you know. It was almost a chore to go there anymore. And somebody had mentioned it, said, hey, you might like this. You know, I'm, I'm a bit of a competitive guy. And as you know, CrossFit can be, you know, kind of a competitive sport. And I, I dropped and went to a few classes and just got worked over. And I thought I was in pretty decent shape going in. Um, was not the case. And, and then it's like, okay, this is hard. And I'm not good at this, 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 and this. You know, so it's motivation. Like, okay, I need to learn how to, I need to learn how to front squat. I need to learn how to back squat. I need to learn how to do, you know, ring muscles, bar muscles, handstand push. There's all these weaknesses I, I had, you know. And, uh, it was great motivation, you know, for me to to improve my, my fitness, you know, because there were certain things I could work on every single day and try to get better at. And it's still that way today, you know. It's like always trying to improve your, you know, your weaknesses there. So looking back in six, in six years of doing CrossFit, I've done it um, for 12 years, and it has changed dramatically for me. I'm at – I'm coming up on 38 – and the way I do CrossFit has changed significantly, I would say, especially since I've had kids. My oldest is almost five. So probably the last five years, CrossFit has changed dramatically for me. Has it changed for you? I imagine you've only gotten fitter since you've been doing CrossFit, but you are getting older. How does that look for you? How's your evolution? You know, I don't know if it's changed a whole lot for me. Um, I would say I, I met in my wife, Alicia, through CrossFit. Um, we and she ended up joining the gym that I was in, and I think that was probably the greatest change. You know, having someone next to you that enjoys the same thing and you know pushes you. Um, I think I probably work out more now than I have ever. You know, because we go together quite frequently. You know, sometimes in the morning, sometimes in the evening, a lot of times both. Um, so we we get our time together. You know, at the gym, kind of kill two birds with one stone sometimes. Um, that's a huge benefit when couples work out oh, together super nice <clears throat> yeah having that in common <laughs> you know how it is you know crossfitters all you want to do is talk about it and <laughs> the workout you did today and the one tomorrow and it's nice to have someone you know to <laughs> talk about yeah you know as far as what I've done you know I've, I've kind of transitioned I would say a little more in recent years into mobility and that sort of thing because that's really where I struggled because I never did that you know in, in the past years and I found out, I you know, that was part of the, you know, a real weakness of mine is I just wasn't very flexible and all. And, and getting older, you know, that becomes more and more important. Your range of motion seems to get smaller and smaller. So um, I, I focus on that more now. And <clears throat> my cardio has always been good. I probably transitioned more into the, some weights the last few years, trying to get a little stronger because uh, my cardio is fairly good. Um, my squatting could use some work, so I try and focus it on that more than anything. That. I said I can relate to that. I was born for cardio and not for strength, so 
CrossFit yeah. kind of forces you to prioritize your training around your weaknesses. So it seems like people see what I do and they're like, man, you do a lot of barbell strength stuff. It's like, well, yeah, the conditioning is what I look forward to, honestly. I would rather do the cardio, but that's probably what I need to work on the least, you know. Then you got the Alicia least, over there who the complete opposite. She's probably just yeah. just dreads doing the conditioning piece, but is stronger than most of the boys when it comes to barbell stuff. Yeah, including myself. <laughs> I, well, I work just hard enough to keep my my weight's heavier than hers. Well, that's so funny. Uh, my wife is named Alicia, and I also met her at CrossFit. So there's something to be said about that. Now, you guys working out together and not sabotaging each other's diet because you're on the same page, and your wife having a nutrition business, like, let's transition into like, okay, you guys do hunt together sometimes, but maybe you don't all the time. But what kind of foods can people take with them? Uh, on their hunts coming up this fall she tells me what to eat and when to eat it and all that so <laughs> um a lot of times it just depends on if you're doing you know multi-day backpacking in trips and all you have is a jet boil or if um most of the time like us we hike back to camp every night so we're never um you know we'll either have a tent or our camper um and so a lot of times in my pack for the day we just take like nuts and seeds and fruit and um, I like to take lunch meat in my pack. Um, jerky is really great. If you really need, a, uh, if you're that person that thrives off of carbs, some good carb bars that have good ingredients in them. Um, but yeah, most of the time, just keeping your fuel energy up with those fats and like nuts and seeds and you know, get your, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff out there. We've been doing a lot of research, um, me and my couple of employees, we've been doing a lot of research over the last month on um, all these new companies with their meal ready-to-eat plans, and there's a lot of good ones out there. We've been finding, like, Alpen Fuel, um, Backpackers Pantry, is that what they're called? Mm -hmm. um, you know, the ones you gave me I looked into, there's a lot of great ones for that. You know, I not to bad badmouth um, what's the... What's the traditional mountain house? Yeah. Not to badmouth them at all because they're a great company too, but um, just trying to find better quality ingredients. That's if you cool. can't read yeah. half the ingredients on the ingredient label, probably don't put that in your body. Yeah, those things are so old school. I think hunters are evolving. Obviously, the tides are rising. Hunters are figuring it out. Like There is a reason to stay really fit. And it's directly related to success and enjoyment in the field, like Lucas mentioned earlier. But I do think that um, just putting total crap in your body will probably cut maybe some of your hunts short. And I think yeah. that um, there's something to be said about that. And yeah. having a nutrition business that's maybe even tailored to some of the more outdoorsmen, like what are some of the, some of the common pitfalls you're seeing with some of your clients, Alicia, just in your business itself? Yeah, um, one so this will be um, um, my first hunting season with clients, but one thing that I've seen in the past, say with athletes, like CrossFit athletes, is don't change your what you're doing in your practice is what you should do in the field. It's terrible. You're not going to be able to put in that work you've been training so hard for. So eat the same in the field as you do at home for the most part. I understand you can't always do that, but 
you've got to be consistent. And if you change things up right before you go into the field, you're going to feel it. Your gut's not going to be happy. You might have to go to the bathroom a lot more than usual or the opposite. Um, I would just say stay consistent. Do what you're doing. You know, we train so hard with these awesome workout programs. They're a great hunting workout program. There's all sorts of different workout programs and then to tell you how to eat, why to eat, what to eat, because without that, you're not going to get the best results in your workout. And they're in the same way, eat the same way in the field that you train. Yeah. Versus just like, Oh, I'm hunting. I can eat whatever I want. Yes. You're burning a lot of calories. Yes. You're expending a lot of energy, but you still could afford to put quality fuel in versus poor fuel. Um, I think a lot of us hunters piss in our own gas tank for lack of a better term, just because of convenience or whatever. Right. And at some point... Yeah, we stop at the gas station and grab a bag of donuts and some, um, you know, tons of candy bars. And <laughs> I'm guilty too. I've done it in the past. <laughs> How many hunters are drinking those like energy drinks like Monster and Bang? I see a lot of people drinking Red Bulls. Is that more common than, we th- than I know? Um, I think it's definitely a trend. I think people like to have a flavored drink. And a lot of times that's kind of a go-to for people for energy and stuff. I I don't know as if I've seen many people or heard of people telling me anyways that they're doing it in the field um, more as like I can see it in my group of friends. They are getting more popular for sure though. Well, what's your go-to for energy for drinking? I'm, is it just coffee um, and even in – we could probably talk about the things not to put in your coffee or the things not to order at Starbucks for those that do like a little coffee-flavored caffeine. Right. Um, our go-to at our in our household is those Mio Energy. Like the, You can get those little Mios. I don't know if you've heard of those. Um, they're no calorie. Um, you just squirt a little bit into your water, and a little bit goes a long ways. They're really good. It keeps me drinking my water. I like the lemonade one. Um, but also crystal light, some sugar-free crystal light packets. Um, what else did you ask? <laughs> well, no, just like, let's say I go to Starbucks. What, give me a do's, oh, yeah. a do's right. and a don'ts. Um, so right with a Starbucks latte, you're going to be, you know, there's all that fat in the milk. Um, if you just order, for example, I think a Starbucks latte has probably around 20 to 25 carbs in it. Um, and if you really want something sweet in there, put a little splash of um, sugar-free flavoring in it. And that's zero calories, um, zero carbs, zero sugar choices. And that's a lot of what I counsel people on. It's not taking things they enjoy away, but finding a better option. Well, how do you guys stay so motivated? Do you, is it like an iron sharpens iron? Is like what's your – I guess what I'm getting to is tell me your why. Like when it's when the chips are down and when it's super early – and you want to sleep in or you don't want to eat the right thing, like what is what is guiding you towards making the better decision, the harder decision? Um, I honestly think it just kind of comes naturally for us. Like we joke about it all the time. Like we'll walk by candy or ice cream, but we don't. Ninety percent of the time we don't make that decision. Um, I think we just it just comes naturally. We we just buy healthy food, we eat healthy food. It, yeah. It sure helps to have, you know, your partner, you know, with the same mindset, you know, when it comes to eating, you know, it makes it much easier to make that decision. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine being married to someone who, you know, ate, you know, 180 degrees different than I do. Um, 
So I, I, I think we help hold each other very accountable <laughs> as well. Okay, Lucas, I want to hear the story. You met your wife at CrossFit. Like, tell us, how did you, how did you eventually ask her out? Like, was it what at your archery league or like, when did you realize that you liked her or maybe she liked you? Like, how did that work out? <laughs> Boy, I don't know. You know, she, she started, you know, the gym. I'd been there for a few years. Um, she started the gym and I'm kind of, as a general rule, kind of quiet, laid back, don't say a whole lot. <clears throat> and she comes in, you know, <clears throat> the polar opposite, new to the gym, doesn't know anyone there, talking to everybody, loud, you know, bouncing around, hyper. And I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> who the heck is this? And, <laughs> you know, uh, months went by and we just uh, – became friends you know and it turns out we had a lot of things in common um as far as hunting and fitness and you know just life in general you know how we grew up uh all that sort of stuff and we just became friends you know as time went on and we start, we were hanging out a lot <clears throat> and it just kind of morphed into you know doing everything together and then on the weekends you know we went and went shed hunting, you know, every weekend together and uh, started hunting in the fall, things like that. I, I don't know. It wasn't really a turning point. It just gradually kind of became, you know, better and better friends over time. And then you finally said, hey, we should go on a date. How did that work? You know, it wasn't like so much as, hey, you, you want to go out on a date or start dating. We just we were just hanging out a lot with all our friends. We had a, you know, kind of a mutual group of friends from the gym, you know, how CrossFit families are, you know, yeah. You can have the same friends. You do a lot of things with them. And we ended up doing a lot of things together. Then we started kind of doing things on our own. And I think at some point we might've talked about, Hey, do you want to start dating? I don't really remember, but, um, you kissed me. I don't remember. She remembers all the details better than I do, I guess. But we were fencing out of my grandma's ranch and he kissed me. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so how long did you guys date until you got married? Two years or so. Okay. Yeah. A couple of years, I think. And yeah. I guess the last part, and this is the thing. I mean, my wife and I did hunt a little bit together, but obviously I brought her into hunting. She knew it was a pretty big part of my life. And since we've had kids, she's literally had zero time to go hunting, but she still loves to hunt whitetails and stuff. I uh, took her elk hunting one time. Maybe two times. Both times, pretty good elk hunting. And she was like, eh, this is cool. You know, where it should have yeah. been like, holy shit. Six bulls <laughs> bugling. And you, I called in a couple different bulls. Like, it was crazy. And uh, she was <laughs> like, eh, my, my feet are kind of tired. And she's not like a wimp. <laughs> my wife's a better athlete than I am. And um, she just, it wasn't for her. And so... Um, we don't hunt together much at all, but you guys do. What's that like, and how do you balance that out? It's touchy sometimes, you know, between us. We hunt together a lot, but... Uh, we have different styles of hunting. Really? That, that. So we often, we will drive to elk camp together, and then in the morning go separate directions. <laughs> I like it. We've we, we, uh, tense 
arguments <laughs> while hunting, you know. Over, I can't believe you didn't range find that, or I can't believe you bumped yeah. your button. Lucas is very intense and fast and go and like, I'm going to sneak in here really slow and quiet. And like, I think we get on each other's nerves because of that. But we also have a ton of fun together. And we've been together for a lot of um, archery harvests, that's for sure. Yeah, it's definitely a balance, you know. We would drive each other nuts if we hunted all fall with each other on every hunt. And she's she's such a good hunter on her own. You know, she goes off and does her own thing, you know. Like like she said, we'll be out camp in the morning. She goes one way to go another. We'll meet up, you know, at the end of the day. So it's certainly fun to have a partner that, you know, you can hunt with. Yeah. And they understand the experience. Like you said, if you're like, oh, I just called in, you know, six different bulls. And they were all around, you know, and she that's all about yeah Yeah, i think uh one thing that's cool is shared suffering can bring you closer together and like when one of you knocks a bull down and you guys can go and pack it out together and just that whole it's miserable but we all love it that can bring you closer together too and shared suffering in crossfit brings you closer to that community there's a lot of parallels there and we talk about crossfit on this podcast quite a bit because we know it works and haters gonna hate but you know regulators need to regulate and so crossfitters can regulate in the mountains and if you are listening and you're like man i'm tired of hearing about crossfit i'm gonna go see what it's all about go try several different gyms and find one that has the right community some really good coaching and just a good vibe Make sure you get more than just a one day, like get a full week, see, get to know them and let them get to know you and see if you fit. What CrossFit gym are you guys at? We are at Highlight CrossFit. What's the vibe like there? It's the best. <laughs> um, maybe everybody said um, our gym owner, Brittany, she's done a great job at building an awesome community. And it's, I mean, nine times out of 10, they're telling us to be quiet. Like you guys stop talking. Cause we're all just like friends. We get there and we, catch up on everything in life and we give each other working out so much fun that's more than anything that's why I love to go yeah like you said Dan I couldn't agree more with you got to give it more than a a day or two even a week or two Um, and also different gyms you know here in town we have multiple CrossFit gyms and I've been to all of them Um, and nothing wrong with any of them but they all kind of have a different vibe and different atmosphere and if you can get over the first couple of weeks or a month of being stiff and sore, I, I promise it'll get better. <laughs> well, it's kind of rough at the beginning. Or when you take a break and go hunting and you come back to CrossFit and it's like starting all over and you've only been gone a couple of weeks. You guys had that happen? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or your legs are so dead tired from hiking all week and then there's a squat clean workout. You're like, what? I don't want to use my legs today. <laughs> Yeah, I seriously lose so much strength in, in just the first, in the month of September. I come back pretty skinny and depleted, and it's just kind of a, a slow process of getting, kind of getting your your central nervous system reacquainted with the Olympic lifts and the bar path and just some heavy weights. But it also, you know, your muscle memory's there, but it it's it's rough. You're pretty sore, but it's, uh, I always say hunting is super hard. But there's no question doing a CrossFit-style workout is harder, in my opinion. Yeah. You don't have that bugling bull. 
There's no bull bugling to chase. Now, mental toughness, you guys, we're going to end on kind of talking about between the ears muscles. Like I was at this uh, Western hunting summit with um, Ryan Lampers, put it on with uh, Cody Rich and, and uh, Randy Newberg was there and he was kind of talking about mental toughness and he kind of, he kind of made it sound like it was just something that he was born with. He was just mentally tough and he could just always just keep grinding no matter what. And you know, I got to give him credit. He's just really awesome for the hunting industry in general, let alone a really solid dude, very relatable. And he's got a pretty rough liver condition that he has to work through that you don't see a lot of times on his filmed hunts, but he's in pain a lot of times and he's tough as nails. But I kind of subscribe to mental toughness being something that you're not born with and that maybe some people are born mentally tough, but those that aren't or those that are can get tougher by just stacking up a lot of reps at not quitting. And I've found that a lot of the CrossFit workouts, uh, there's plenty of opportunity to slow down, shave around, take a breath, go get chalk or not push as hard. And you can kind of do that day in and day out and say no to the low road. And if you look back over a year, you've really started to separate yourself mentally. Have you guys noticed something similar? We are so competitive with, with each other. We're usually pretty neck and neck. Lucas usually always beats me, but he's better at um, the cardio stuff. But I, I don't like letting people get ahead of me. I'm just competitive. And, I do, and it's not a bad thing. It's not like I'm mad at them or anything. But that's just a drive inside of me that I like to be at the top. And I would say the same for Lucas. Like he, he will kill himself before someone beats him. Yeah, the mental toughness thing. I, I often think about that too. You know, I think Alicia and I are are very, you know, strong between the ears. And I don't know if you know, we've talked about that before. If you know, if we're born like that, or if that's something that you know you learn over time, or or what. But it's something that we've talked about. Uh, quite a bit um because you, you see that in the field too as well as in the gym you know hunters just you know me i'm always like oh what's over the next ridge what's over the next ridge i'm gonna go the next ridge next drainage it's got to be better and uh <clears throat> you know i've hunted with people that are you know kind of the opposite where they're like ah this is fine this is good enough uh, you know um i'm happy with this you know and i, I don't know what makes a person think that way because i got a lot of folks that live out east midwest that want to cut the learning curve i think mental game is probably the most important what would you suggest that they do do in the off season if there is such a thing to get stronger between the ears i think just train for it do as you do at home as you would do in the field you challenge yourself join a gym where there's group classes where you can push yourself to be in the top of that group um, challenge yourself to cut out processed foods out of your diet. Um, with Ivory Nutrition, that's the first thing we do. Like, let's cut out the processed foods so you feel better. And then challenge yourself to practice. The, if you don't practice, if you don't shoot your bow in the off season, how are you going to expect to have it dialed in when you have a bull standing at 65 yards out in the field? Like, you don't practice that, you're not going to be successful. I think, too, like in the field, what keeps me mentally strong is I've killed a lot of elk when I least expect it, when I'm tired and I think, you know, I'm ready to give up, go back to camp or, or just call it a day or not go any further. And then all of a sudden, 
something happens and you know you kill a bull so that always did the back of my mind like okay just keep going keep hunting because it could happen at any minute you, you never know things can switch <laughs> oh on a dime yeah there is a magical 30 seconds that can await you it is awaiting you you just have to be there and if you're not there that 30 seconds is going to be irrelevant but that's all it takes to change your hunt in a, in a blink of an eye that's what i love about specifically archery elk hunting is that it can be the shittiest day of elk hunting but the last 30 seconds of daylight it all could change or even in the afternoon you know sitting water or taking a nap and you could be woken by a bull just i don't know why but he's bugling and he's within range and you the whole game can be changed so i love that about elk hunting and i really like your guys's relationship um if I lived in Bozeman, I would probably call you guys first to hang out with me and my wife. Like, no question. You, we have a lot in common. <laughs> We're close in age. Although you guys haven't had kids yet, I can't. Is that something that's potentially down the road? Yeah, I think we got to get a little nugget to show them how to hunt. Well, I mean, I think that would be so cool to introduce a little one to the outdoors. I mean, you can't make them like it, but you hope that with the right introduction that they'll like it. Oh, yeah. I do. I agree. Um, well, I, I think kids, man, if you guys end up going down that road, it's a, it's a game changer. There's a BK term that I've heard recently, but bef- life before kids. And you guys are in that right now, so just squeeze every drop out of it because it's super special time <laughs> in your life. And uh, you, it's a lot of freedom. But um, I don't want to keep you guys. I know you guys got plans this weekend to go camping and and you got lots of stuff to do, but I appreciate you taking the time. Now, Alicia's got a nutrition business. I want to talk about like where to find that and where to look in more. But Lucas, you're on Instagram technically, right? Yeah, I don't use it much, but yeah. I cannot follow you back until you post something. You have zero posts, brother. Still humble. He's hard to... A lot of times I'll post it for him. You better hack into – you need to hack into his account and post a picture so I can like it. But, <laughs> but Lucas is on Instagram. I'm going to leave a link to follow him. And, yes, he has zero posts as of today, but I'm trying to get him to change that. And then, and then Alicia, what's your nutrition business name and where can we learn more about that? Yeah, it's Ivory Nutrition, and you can go to ivorynutrition.com or follow me on Facebook and Instagram or all three of the above. Um, and then just Alicia, Alicia Zemlicka on Facebook and Instagram. And you guys basically do nutrition coaching, meal plans, accountability. You do it all. So no yep. matter no matter what level these folks are at, like if you need to do some life changing and lose significant weight, or if you're just looking for a performance menu for hunting, you can create either. Absolutely. I had a client in my last six week challenge. We put six pounds of muscle on in six weeks. That's awesome. That's about the the right way to do it. Slow and steady, sustainable, yep. low trajectory, and. Yep just for the long term. Well, you guys are a power couple. Next time in Bozeman, I'm going to hit you guys up. I want to go work out at your CrossFit gym and sweat with you guys and shoot and just do yeah. what we do. We definitely want to partake in your elk, your elk camp. When's your next elk shape going to be? Um, we got one in Spokane in January, 2020. Um, we're piecing, we're going to do six next year. I think we might do one in Bozeman. Um, I met the guys at big sky archery that's a pretty sweet facility. And then if we could yep. go over to your CrossFit gym and I could recruit you guys to help me help hunters move well, it would be, yep. it would be perfect. Oh, our gym is just right down the road. You're, oh, it's just right down the road from there? Yep, out in Four Corners. Okay, cool. Well, the connection wasn't the greatest. I'm not sure. It, it could be my end, but 
I'll edit this bad boy up. But you guys, I appreciate your time. I know you're both busy, and I'm really excited for seeing what happens this fall. You go put your fitness to use finally, and uh, what's the first hunt? Are we looking at antelope? Yep. <laughs> August 15th, antelope opener, yep. Okay, and then when's the opener for elk this year in Montana? September 7th. I think it's the 7th, yeah. Oh, that's a little later. <laughs> yeah, dang it. Okay. Well, I think everybody will be out September 7th. That could be, yeah. a, that could be a cluster, but uh, hopefully you'll have your antelope down, and then you guys do mule deer. What else do you do? We go to South Dakota for whitetail later on in the season. Any deer we can get our hands on that's a decent one in Montana. We usually draw cow and bull tag each. Yeah, you can. Uh, we get a bee tag for the area we go. Okay. So we can get four elk, hopefully. We ran out this year. We had, we had a lot of meat, and we are almost officially out before fall. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah, I'm in the same boat, like... I had three bulls last year, and I I gave away an entire one to the CrossFit community because that's my way of promoting hunting in a positive light. And then the yeah, other, we do that too. Yeah, and then, and then I shouldn't. And now, have, now I'm out. Like I had two, and apparently we're on a high protein diet around here. And uh, yeah, I, here we are in July, and I'm like, I'm out of elk meat. I don't. Uh, it's not Dang a good place. It. Let's not do that. So we're all going to no. hunt. We're going to hunt way harder than ever before. Cause when you're out of meat, you're like, it's a changes the game. But, uh, yeah, man. Yeah. Right. Wish you guys the best of luck. Well, Good luck in Wyoming. Yeah. Yeah. I had a couple years ago and killed a, a good bull up there. So if you, I don't know where you're headed, but if you want to chat about it, give me a call sometime. We'll tell you what, whatever I know. That's I guess. all right, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. I'll get your guys numbers and, uh, Appreciate your guys' time. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and uh, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. Have a good one. Yeah, thanks, Dan. You good bet, guys. To you. Likewise. Take care. Welcome to the Two Minute Drill, sponsored by Elk 101. I'm going to sit down and chat with the elk hunting wizard himself, Corey Jacobson. Two minutes on the clock. Hurry up, offense style. Corey's going to drop knowledge bombs, and you are going to get better at elk hunting. So without further ado, here's Corey, and here is our topic of the day. Corey, we're talking about scouting a little bit and Onyx Maps hacks. I know you've used the app quite a bit. (laughs) And maybe just what comes to mind some of the best hacks you use to make that tool get you more success in the field? You know, I think number one that comes to mind for me is Google Earth combined with Onyx. And, you know, it used to be when I used a regular GPS, you had to jump through all these hoops, and it was kind of a process to be able to transfer anything that I found on Google Earth to my GPS. And now with, with Onyx Maps and having that app right there on my mobile device, I can do all the remote scouting I want to do from Google Earth. So I can fly it in 3D. I can find north-facing ridges where they're going to bed. I can see water sources and feed sources. And really, it's it's almost as good as being there. And once you know what you're looking for on Google Earth, these areas kind of just pop right out at you. And uh, you know, even looking at a big area, I can usually locate the top six or eight spots within that area that I think are going to hold elk. From there, I put a waypoint or just a a pin in Google Earth, and then it's a simple save and export and right into my online version of my OnX membership. And save right there, the pins pop up, and now it's on my phone. I go out in the field and I can walk right to that waypoint that I've, you know, scouted on Google Earth. So that, uh, 
that bridge there across that gap has been huge for me. I can spend hours and days on Google Earth and then walk right out into the field and put all of that knowledge instantly in the palm of my hand and walk to it. So that's that's probably my biggest feature that I draw on. Uh, other than that, being able to plot a course before. So again, getting on Google Earth or even just at the desk on, on OnX, plotting that course of how I want to get into an area or if I get an elk down, being able to look at it and find the best route to get back out and pack the elk back to the trailhead is has been super helpful. Hey, elk hunters, Corey Jacobson here from elk101.com. And if you're like me, you're probably thinking about elk hunting every day of the year and working continually to maximize your chances for success this fall. Well, Dan and I have created a special opportunity for you that I feel will absolutely take you to the next level in elk hunting regardless of your previous experience. Three years ago, I created the University of Elk Hunting online course with one goal in mind, to make you a more successful elk hunter. The UEH online course contains 45 chapters of detailed elk hunting information organized into 17 modules and covering every imaginable elk hunting topic, from planning and scouting to calling tactics and tracking and every topic in between, the University of Elk Hunting online course is the most comprehensive and complete resource available to elk hunters. And for listeners of the Elk Shape podcast, Dan and I have teamed up to offer you a 20% discount when you sign up. Simply go to elk101.com, click the link to the online course, and use the code ELKSHAPE, all one word, when you check out. You owe it to yourself to invest in the single most lethal weapon that you take to the elk woods each fall. Invest in you. Sign up for the University of Elk Hunting online course and elevate your elk hunting success today. All right, guys, that's a wrap on episode 82 with the power couple, Lucas and Alicia. I want to thank them. Man, the audio was a little rough. I had to edit this one as best as I could. We had a pretty poor connection. It was probably on me, but I hope you got through some of that and had some takeaways. We did talk a lot about stocking elk, and that's definitely a good idea come fall here is to think about maybe putting the call away especially on pressured elk, see if you can sneak in, intercept, snipe them. And uh, Lucas is one incredible elk hunter. Look him up. Look at his background. He's put a lot of big bulls on the ground. And then I thought Alicia's tips on nutrition were really important, super simple. And I think you should keep it simple, stupid, when it comes to nutrition. There's a lot of complicated, convoluted information out there that's just going to water things down. So stick to the basics. Stick to what works. Do the hard thing every day in the name of Better Elk Hunting. And thank you for listening to this podcast. We'll catch you on the next one. Have a great week.